Star Trek, our favorite frontier. These are the podcasts of Aaron and Polly, their ongoing mission to explore all things Trek, to seek out cool things and pick them apart, to boldly complain as no one's complained before. And this is Paul. And welcome to another episode of Star Trek with Aaron and Polly. Ooh, very exciting. Yeah, yeah, this is very exciting. And you know, Paul, there is legit yes. no real Star Trek news this week. That I is have, a lie. That I, is you know, a bullface there, lie. There is no Star Trek news this week. If well, we there's were, a new episode of Star Trek with Aaron and Polly. That should be on all of your Star Trek sites. News. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, on top of that, Aaron, Aaron, uh-huh. sir, there is, um, you know, see, it's not Star Trek news, but it's CBS All Access news. Did you see the new trailer for Twilight Zone? I did not. I saw that everyone was talking about it, but I have not had a chance to, to look at it. I gather that you're excited about it. Yeah, you know, I'm very excited about Twilight Zone. I love Twilight Zone. And, uh, you know, the the new Twilight Zone looks, you know, it has a hell of a cast. They, they, you see folks like Greg Kinnear, um, Adam Scott, I think, uh, a, a good Scott. number. Great Scott. You see a number of actors uh, from from film and television uh, and actresses during the uh, the trailer, and uh, it looks pretty pretty sweet. I'm looking forward to it. Huh. Are, are you looking forward to the to the Twilight Zone? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I I, I am a uh, Rod Serling fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really enjoyed the Twilight Zone. Also enjoyed the Night Gallery. I always find the Night Gallery just terribly frightening when I was a boy. Oh yeah, but I uh, really, really, you know, I, I liked uh, I like Twilight Zone a great deal. For some reason, you know, I I have not enjoyed it in repeats, uh, you know, in syndication or whatnot recently. I don't know hmm. why that is. I mean, because I, I loved it growing up, and I loved it, you know, uh, in my in my my younger days. I just don't know why I don't why I don't gravitate to it. You know, now if I see a certain episode, I'll turn it on, but it's not like something that I want to, you know, stream the old episodes. That just hasn't hasn't been my thing. Perhaps you stopped liking good things. That is that is certainly a possibility. You watch a couple of episodes of Roswell, a couple episodes Ooh. of the the Good Fight, and all of a sudden, well, I, I, let me tell you that new Roswell show is <laughs> terrible. It I is, heard it was good. Oh when my it first god! That was the bad. first episode was bad too. Uh, I have disliked every episode I watch. In fact, my wife disliked it so much she finally said, "Can we just cancel this season pass?" You know, which is what yes. they call the the series subscription on TiVo. Um, but let me tell you, we're loving the passage and I know that's not genre appropriate because it's uh, a vampire show, but there is some science involved. So, you know, science equals science. So I, the passage is great. And I know you heard bad things about that, but I, I am totally digging the passage. Well, and for more television news, because I'm going to talk about the big Supergirl rumors Uh and uh, the CW Arrowverse stuff on this upcoming week's episode of Funny Books with Aaron and Polly. So if you're listening to this from iTunes, 
just go to funny books with Aaron and Polly, you know, keyword funny books with Aaron and Polly, or just go to iomgeek.com. We have links to all the feeds there, or you can listen directly from there. Um, cause lots of, lots of rumors going around on the CW Arrowverse. If you, if you follow that, which, you know, if you're listening to this show, there's a possibility that you may watch one or two of those crappy TV shows. Yeah. Um, and, and and also relevant to their interests, you and I got caught up on the Orville over yes. last week. And, uh, you know, I'm glad we're talking about two episodes because I feel like if we were just talking about one, uh, the, 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 the earlier one, not the latter. Deflectors. Uh, yes. Yeah. The episode with Bordas's ex-boyfriend. Oh my God. I hated that episode. Oh, it was so bad. God, I am, I am, I am. There's a couple of things I'm done with on the Orville. Um, I, or at least I need some space on, and that is, you know, a, the, the flipping on the head of the, you know, uh, gender relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I thought it was interesting that, you know, Bordas's ex-boyfriend came on the ship, but then you had this really weird and, you know, it's only in retrospect that I clued into it. Cause I watched this episode before all of the Jussie Smollett stuff blew up, but you oh, yeah. know, it does kind of echo, even though it happened, you know, the, this, this episode came out before it all hit the fan for, for Jussie Smollett. But, uh, it does kind of echo that, doesn't it? You know, because, because, you know, and I can't remember Bordas's ex-boyfriend's name, but he kind of creates a hate crime scenario and, and, you know, pins it on, on this, on this guy. Now the difference is, is, you know, apparently Jesse Smollett, uh, you know, hired his guys, whereas, you know, uh, Bordas's, uh, you know, ex-boyfriend decided to just pin all this, this guilt on top of help me with his name. Thank you. Clytus, who, by the way. Is just a terrible person. Can we all agree that Clytus is just a terrible person and that maybe they need to put him off the ship because he is awful? I, I, yeah, I, I honestly, you know, I thought what you were going to say with, um, sorry, Clyden. Clyden. Um, yeah, Clytus, uh, I, I am so sorry. Clytus, great guy. That's yeah, Clytus, he's, he's good. You, you want to party down with, with, with uh, that guy, but not Clytus. Yeah, no, yeah. Clytus, boo, no. Um, but I gotta say, the Cassius um, is the uh, the other character. Um, oh no, wait, no, maybe it's not. I don't know. Point is, <laughs> who the hell knows? Who could, you know? Why I don't know because I don't care. Um, yeah, yeah because I hated that episode. I, I thought the episode was garbage. I, I am uh, very, very uh, low car is the character's yeah. name. I am very sick of the Bordis focused episodes. I feel like we've had too many of them mm-hmm. this season for for a character that quite frankly isn't the most interesting character on the ship. And I gotta say, the introduction of Kayali, um the the new replacement for um the previous bumpy head girl. Uh Laura or Alora. Yeah. Alora. Yeah. You know, they they straight up just like swapped out characters, just yeah. swapped out actresses. What's the reason for that? Is it did, did, was it because uh, she and Seth MacFarlane broke up? That well, I don't know if they broke up or if they just, you know, because of their relationship and the fact that he if if he was just an actor on the show it would be one thing, but because he's a producer, I think um it you know, it was a conflict of interest issue. Huh. So they, you know, they they swapped out um I don't want to say swap that actress because it is a new character who just happens to be the exact same character. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. Not no, only the right. exact same character, but similar in appearance and everything. Yeah. Um. To to Alora, and so you know, it, it is 
quite obvious it's just a swap out um, because of some behind the scenes issues. But I, I, this episode was was rather terrible. And between this, the sex addiction, the Bordis has to pee episode, like we've yeah. had out of the six, I believe, episodes we've had so far in this season, uh, seven as of Deflectors, a solid three of them were very Bordis themed. Um, and it's not the themes that necessarily um, make me uncomfortable or anything like that. It's genuinely just a bit much for a, an ensemble cast when you're when you're focused entirely on this one character who's really not the most interesting one. Well, and I do feel like I'm getting beat in the head with the issue, right? Yeah. And I, I'm just like, come on, guys, let's be a little bit more subtle. I mean, I understand that you're wanting to to be an issues drama. But could we not have mm-hmm. the same issues every week? Well, but you know what the funny thing is? I feel like the most mature way it was handled was in the first season. Um, right. You know, the episode where the, the with the se- the sex change that they went through for the child. I feel like that was the 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 best way that they they addressed it. I don't know why they need to now have addressed it three times. And and Clyden, like to your point, Clyden is, is just an un. Um, not not uncharismatic, but you you have no investment in in that character because right. he's just un uh, sympathetic, unsympathetic yeah. character. Clyden is just an asshole. Well, uh, he's a gar- he's a garbage person. Yeah, you know, just just like him and Mel Gibson, they're garbage people. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, there, there's there's no upside to Clyden, uh, yeah. and and you know he's either shown as too jealous or you know a troublemaker or a whiner or whatever there's nothing positive that is reflected in 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 Bordis's relationship with clyde i absolutely understood why clyden was interested why clyden had a relationship with lokar lokar yeah. seemed you know before lokar tried to pin a murder on somebody um a murder that didn't happen by the Besides way that yeah, I, yeah, he seemed like an interesting character, and he seemed like a charismatic character. He seemed he seemed like someone that you wanted to be around. I can't figure out the attraction to Clayton. Because, Nor can I. Yeah, and and it's just really hard to deal with. And I'm I feel like if they do not if they do not have Bordas straight up dump that son of a bitch, <laughs> you know, they're really doing a, a disservice yeah. to the character. Because I mean, it, well, so I, it, it, it feels like they're hinting too much at it. Yeah, yeah, it feels like they're hinting too much at the marital issues to not make something more of it. Uh, and you know, this sounds—I I, want to say this in as sensitive a manner as possible. Sure, the Mocklins, the makeup is too similar to actor because as bad as this sounds, some of them genuinely look too much alike. Yeah. Um, you know, Clyden looks very similar um, to the to the other actor whose name I literally just, Lokar, um, oh. and it's because you know there, there's no differentiation in their their head bumps. You know, um, yeah. there's no there's no hair there, and and the outfits are uniformly the same as well. So the characters just look so much alike. Well, there was a there was a scene in this most recent episode where. I thought that Lokar was was in the scene, and I had to, to roll back. I'm like, oh no, that is that is Clyden. Uh, but I mean, you're right. I mean, the 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 head prosthetics are so similar that they don't make the characters stand out from one another. Yeah, and that, um, that's kind of difficult to track. I mean, I do think that uh, that uh, 
do 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 not and it was Bordas I thought that he looked like I thought that that uh that Lokar looked like Bordas Clyden looks completely different from from Bordas in my That's opinion. my He's, point. They're in yeah. the, <laughs> yeah. they're they're still confusing. Yeah. Um you know but what's funny is on the flip side <laughs> this week's episode identity part 1 and yes. you know, I, maybe I'm about to hear something different from you. Was literally everything we've been asking for for the last seven weeks yeah. in, in relation to Orville. It, it, it should have been the season premiere. In fact, I feel yeah um, uh, of the Orville. The only way, the only reason it wasn't is because they they did actually have some setup for this. Yeah, they needed to bake in the relationship with uh, Isaac and the Doctor. Yeah, well, and right. the, you know the fact that the the, the cast was genuinely mean mm-hmm. to to um, to what's Isaac, what's his name again? Isaac, um, you know, because they, they because he's a robot. Um, you know, fun mean, you know, the teasing, yeah, it's like that. Um, but you know, in this week's episode, uh, identity, uh, it, Isaac has fulfilled his mission as far as his native planet is concerned. Um, now, unbeknownst to the you know, members of the Orville, uh, they they shut him down basically, and so they return to his home planet, or actually I shouldn't say return. They go to his home planet um, for the first time, and uh, and as a result, uh, they realize that that's why he was turned off, and and they uncover something very rotten um, on Isaac's home planet. Yeah. You know, we find out that uh, the robots of Isaac's home world killed the off. The Kalon race. Yeah. They, they killed off the, uh, the uh, humanoid creators, you know, because they, they decided that, uh, you know, these guys, uh, they really had no natural place to be. You know they weren't they weren't perfect enough as as you know as the machines and you know they they needed to go so they killed them all and now they are looking to expand their reach across the galaxy so they're now they're on their their way to Earth um, you know long story short this was a long way to have your you know best of both worlds sort of episode in the Orville you know and they didn't wait till what season three to have their cliffhanger they uh, they went straight on to uh, to uh, you know do that in season two. Yeah, pretty much. It is that um, that I've noticed, or I should say, and commented on, is just how much season two of Discovery seems to be taking episodes from Star Trek: The Next Generation and basically doing them in a more modern take, or you know, just with slight uh, differentiation, like the porn addiction, you know, similar to the holodeck addiction, and and that kind of thing, and you know, the the relationship between uh, Data and um, who had data had a relation he had a couple of relationships really, but you know, taking the, the kind of the physical relationships that data had and doing this, something similar and going further with it with Isaac. Yeah. Um, and, but this you know, kind of kind of takes even more of a stance that Isaac is not the sympathetic character that data was. Um, you know, he, he is, he is a machine. Right. Well, he didn't have a face. Well, there's that. Despite that he can create one in, in the hollow deck or whatever they call the simulator. Uh, <laughs> then we just don't don't wink, don't go, do not go into that hollow deck with a black light. I'm just saying <laughs> that is true. I thought this was a really good episode. I, I very much enjoyed this episode. I am I, I, I enjoyed that it felt like there were stakes. Um, you know, I'm really curious as to how they're going to get out of it. But I will tell you that. They have the same issue on the Orville that so much Star Trek has had for me. Mm-hmm. When the captain says, 
get the hell out of here right now when he when he you know sends in a you know emergency communication to the ship get out of here right now and Bordas just was like what was that captain yeah I mean my first my first order would be shields up red alert shields up you know warp factor whatever you know, get the hell out you know but instead he's like what and all of a sudden they're they're getting boarded yep you know that I, that, that's that that I I I I really do feel like you need to act. You need to be. You need to act faster. You need to have perhaps faster. because Bordas sucks. Well, that's that's probably true. Yeah, that's probably. He true. was too distracted thinking about his ex boyfriend. But I was also amused that there's a little bit of a parallel here between this episode of the Orville and last week's episode of Star Trek Discovery. Do you mean the episode uh, uh, "The Sound of Thunder"? The Sound of Thunder. Or do you remember in back in 2005? <laughs> I want you to go in the rewind machine. Okay. I, wa- I want I, the, the, I want you to I... hop on your red angel. Yeah, <laughs> hop on your red angel and jump back in time to 2005, where Ed Burns was a thing. Yes, and he he did a movie with Ben Kingsley called A Sound of Thunder, based on a short story by Ray Bradbury. And so what they what the whole point was that they they would go back in time and as long as they stayed within a path um you know kind of like the butterfly effect so they would go back to the prehistoric era um and i don't remember if it was like a a touristy thing or just a science research thing but as long as they're in the path everything was fine however someone strays off the path and because of that it alters history and so they have like dinosaurs and like man bat creatures and all of that stuff in modern day and it was i i remember actually quite enjoying it even though it that you know, by today's standards, it's probably like a straight to sci-fi. Film. But uh, in fact, on an eighty million dollar budget, it made one point nine million dollars. Oh, but <laughs> <laughs> cumulative worldwide was six million dollars. But <laughs> um, I, I I do remember kind of liking it. But anyway, so it, it it is unrelated to that sound of thunder. Uh, or is it actually there? There is, you know, a lot of heavy hinting in this episode that the Red Angel can go back in time and perhaps alter history. Hmm. That's mm-hmm, 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 that's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. talk. We're gonna see so, Ed Burns show up any minute now. So, what was it? Two episodes ago, when Saru lost his threat ganglia. Uh, yes, yes, it was about right. two episodes ago. And I think you're right. You know, we were speculating at that point, like, wow, can't wait to see that episode where Saru goes back to, to you know, the Kelpian homeworld. And, you know, he, he's, you know, com- commandeered a ship. He's, you know, pirate Saru, avenging angel of the Kelpians. And uh, that all happened in this episode. Not quite like that. but Yeah, you we know, didn't have to wait too long. Yeah, we didn't have to wait too long at all. While, while we're still waiting for Spock, because, you know, we're going to keep moving that cheese. You know, Spock's not here. Uh, but, you know, we did get, uh, you know, the flash, the flash of the Red Angel sign, you know, up in the sky to warn us to go back to uh, the Kelpian homeworld where, you know, Saru is reunited with her, his sister, who is now the priestess or priest, whatever you want to call her, uh, of his village. His father having gone through the Vahaya and uh, been taken off by the by the I want to call them the Baku, Ba'ul. but I don't the Ba'ul. The Ba'ul, thank you. The Baku were the folks in uh in insurrection. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh so you know tearful reunion between Saru and his sister and I just want to say I understand that they teleported them down to his village. Uh-huh. 
However, it is pretty goddamn coincidental <laughs> that five minutes after landing on the planet, he runs into his sister of all people. <laughs> like not just like like he he straight up runs into his sister five minutes after landing on his planet. Uh-huh. I'm just saying, pretty convenient. Yeah, well, you know, there are, they only had 45 minutes to tell this story, Paul. So, you know, brace yourself. <laughs> but, you know, the, the thing that I find in parallel to last week's episode of the Orville is that on the Orville, the the robots of Isaac's homeworld have killed all of their humanoid creators for reasons. Um in this episode, we find that the Ba'ul have been keeping the Kelpians down because the Kelpians used to be the predator of the planet. And so they had been killing, they killed off all of the Kelpians who had achieved Vahaya, which is where they, the uh, the uh, Kelpians drop their head testicles and, uh, uh, you know, become not afraid anymore. They're, they're no longer... You know, fearful creatures. They are they are full on, uh, robust people who are able to you know uh, you know run into danger as opposed to run away from danger. Um, and so they the, the Baul have kept these guys down, and we assume, and maybe we're wrong. We assume they've been eating these guys because we saw the Mirror Universe uh, uh, Empire consumed the Kelpians. Uh, in fact, they're they're. Uh, Threat ganglia was considered a delicacy. Mm, God, Paul, I get so hungry just thinking about it. Um, after last two weeks episode ago, I'm pretty sure I'll never think about eating uh, the ganglia. Delicious, delicious ganglia. Mm. Until it gets rotten. Ganglia. It's what's for dinner. But uh, anyhow... So we discover all of this through the eyes of Saru, and one thing leads to another, and they shut down the the threat of the Ba'ul via the Red Angel. The Red Angel comes and shuts down their entire network. And so, you know, of course, you got Ash Tyler working for Section 31 saying things like, you know, maybe the maybe the Red Angel is not a good good guy after all. Maybe this Red Angel is up to something. And, you know, of course, Captain Pike's like everything the Red Angel has done so far has been to help people, to save people from 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 terrible situations. And he's like, yes, but what if the Red Angel decides to mess with the Federation? What if the Red Angel wants to go back in our time and screw us over? So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's all. And of course, sound of thunder. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know. And that sound of thunder echoes to where our cheese has moved. Our cheese has moved, Paul, to our next episode, where it appears we will indeed finally get to lay eyes on Michael Burnham's brother, Spock. Perhaps at the end of the episode. I'm yeah. pretty sure that's not like I'm sure yeah. that, that, that cheese is happening in minute 59. <laughs> He's going to walk out of the shadows, pull the, he- the hood back, you know, and say something like, I believe you are looking for me. You know, throw an arched eyebrow, that kind of thing, or then maybe teleport say something, away. Yeah, say something like fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I do predict that as well. Yeah. So, Paul, did you enjoy yes. the sound of thunder? You know, I will say for the most part, I did. I, uh, you know, I, I liked the resolution of the storyline. I found it. Um, you know, it. it, it <laughs> If I had anything to say about this episode, is that it is well acted but poorly written. Yeah. 
Um, you know, they, the the episode is very much founded on this. You know, well, we're not going to get involved. Prime Directive, blah 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 blah. However, if you want to escalate their evolution and start hundreds of years of bloodshed, war, technically that's not breaking the Prime Directive because they don't know it's us. And I'm like, oh, that seems like a moral ambiguity that I'm not entirely with because um, that's basically what happens because happened with Saru when he was hit by the Red Dwarf a couple weeks ago um, you know they they have mirrored that effect on the entire Kelpian race to in to speed up their evolution so that they be, can become fearless aggressors um, who, who can you know overpower the Baul um, who have you know t- kind of taken over and so you know th- that it felt a little shady. The, the logic of that it felt illogical captain well, um to but, me it felt really rushed too you know when you said yeah. it wasn't a really well written episode it felt like this was probably two episodes worth of drama that we crammed into one to yeah. your point we beam down and the first person that we run into is his sister um it, it, there were just a whole lot of hand waving of story elements because, well, we've got to hit these beats before we can get here. So let's go ahead and push those out of the way. Well, and, and let's be honest, not just the first person, the only Kelpian they run into. Yeah, we don't see any other in the Kelpians. Of the episode until the end. Yeah, we don't see any other Kelpians until it's time for them to lose their head testicles. And yeah. once all, all, all of that meat drops, you know, then we can see all of the Kelpians. Um, it would have been nice to have had at least one other character uh, in the episode. Well, and, you know, escalating their evolution ultimately did nothing other than piss the Ba'ul off um, until the deus ex machina of the Red Angel comes and takes down the Ba'ul. But, you know, the, oh, you know, powering up the uh, Kelpians ultimately did nothing other than piss the Ba'ul off. Right. So, you know, it felt like, like you said, they're, they're like, hold on, we got to wrap up this Saru shit real, you know, like, you yeah. know, we set this thing up. Let's go ahead and wrap it up uh, so that we can finally get to Spock. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like so much happens in this episode. It, it felt, um, you know, Russ, the, you know, they set up this Ba'ul. And, you know, at first I thought, oh, well, the Ba'ul are really the Kelp, you know, the Kelpians who get old and are sucked up into the sky. Like maybe they're just bastards right like they lose their ganglia they turn evil and now they're overlords but no rather than going that way with it you know they went with kind of what we just said with the orville that they were the oppressed and now they're oppressing the oppressors um and you know there's no real there's no real i don't know like there's no satisfactory um explanation for me of the baul as a race uh, especially since you know the the one Baul that they show is rather terrifying. Yeah, yeah, and I mean it bothers me that they that they're painting this terrifying race as rather sympathetic, right? Yeah, you know, because the Baul were only trying to survive. Uh, you know, yeah. we saw that that uh, Saru, you know, when he is in sick bay, that she the uh, doctor tells him that. You know, your the stuff that was that was, you know, used to be your ganglia is turning into something else, is turning into some kind of cartilage. Well, what does it look like, doctor? She goes, I don't know, teeth. And then, mm-hmm. you know, it erupts from his head as he is threatened by the Baul and shoots these darts at him. Yeah. And of course the Baul remarks, you know, well, of course that's your first action. You know, there's no change in you. Well, you know, there's a huge change in, in Saru. But 
you know, so we, we gather that the Kelpians used to be quite the predator of these Ba'ul. And I wonder if maybe the Ba'ul were a food source for the Kelpians. But, you know, these things just look terrible. They look demonic, right? They look yeah. like something out of hell. Um, and, you know, the, the, the creature has a very uh, interesting manner like you know, mm-hmm. the, the scene where it folds its 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 arms over its chest is just really bizarre yeah um, and i was really eager to to learn more about them nope yeah and i mean what i really wanted to say <laughs> and I, I hate to say this this is star trek and we should be solving things with words <laughs> i wanted to see some fighting <laughs> you know i wanted to see well, some i wanted, I wanted to see, to see I didn't want to see the drones attacking, you know, the Kelpians, uh, though I do understand, you know, that if they consider the Kelpians so deadly, why they would let the drones interact. But here's another thing I didn't understand. The Ba'ul are strong enough to face down the USS Discovery, right? They are intimidating enough yeah. to face that ship down. Um, but Saru simply beats up the drones and, you know, destroys those drones and then is able to build a communication device. They've got to be watching them, right? They've got to yeah. be, oh, shit, he's taken parts of the drones and building a communication device. Shouldn't they then have, I don't know, pumped gas into that room or flooded it because it appears to have been underwater? Isn't there any number of things they could have done to have ended the threat of Saru and his sister? Well, and for all intents and purposes... It really seems like the Ba'ul are more technically advanced than Starfleet. Um, yeah. You know, based on what we saw, they like the Enterprise was up against something that would have whooped its ass if the Red Angel had not shown up. How the hell did that happen? Right. Um, and I understand, you know, I'm I'm, I'm reach, maybe I'm reaching too much, but in a in a Star Trek show, usually there's a bit more of. A, more of a, a solid logical throughput um, of understanding before they get to the conclusion of a battle that yeah. really wasn't much of a battle. And I got to be honest, you know, it's not like one, the Bible, okay, yes, now they're wrong, um, you know, in theory. But, you know, when, when Saru, you know, lost his ganglia, he became an asshole, you yeah. know, like. The episode goes out of its way to set up a, a large amount of tension between Saru and the captain. Saru has his, um, you know, they, they said his fear receptors are dampened as a result of losing the ganglia. So, like, he's he's kind of a dick, and the, you know, they, they they set up quite a, quite a bit in this episode. So, you know, is Saru now like not a great dude? I don't know. Maybe we'll see yeah. more of it, or maybe what? he'll just go back to his normal character after this. And I will tell you that whole scene where he's facing down Captain Pike, and I mean, all everybody on the bridge stands up like we might have to jump in in case there's a fight. Um, was I, I felt like Pike should have shut that shit down, and I, I feel do certain that a character like Kirk absolutely would have. Like, you need to check yourself, Mister. Um, and I kept waiting for Pike. Well, to and I do feel that. like Pike has been set up as a character who has, you know, like yeah. that seems like something he would have done. Yeah, I don't know, like you know, like I've liked Pike's portrayal. Um, I don't know. Like, you know, I feel like he should have shut that shit down. Agreed. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, if that happened at work, I would absolutely shut that shit down. Yeah. You know, you can't have somebody talking back, talking to you like that. Nope. Just backhand Saru. Uh. That's right. That's right. So any more thoughts on a sound of thunder? Um, I'm sorry. Did you say a sound of thunder? (laughs) I did. 
But before we wrap up our thought Sound of Thunder, I want to put out a little bit of trivia. Uh, there's so trivia. I thought, a, it's trivia there time is. with Polly. Aaron used to look this shit up when we started this podcast. Um, <laughs> but A Sound of Thunder is directed by Douglas Arniakoski, um, who is known for directing a, a number of TV shows, writing and producing TV shows like Sleepy Hollow, Criminal Minds. He's directed episodes of Arrow and The Flash, um, SWAT, um, a couple of other as well. Also, he made his directorial feature film directorial debut, I should clarify, as the director of Highlander Endgame, the film known for killing Christopher Lambert's character. Yep. It's, it's a terrible movie. Yep. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. But also worked on a lot of Full Moon films um, and uh, a lot of Robert Rodriguez films, the machete films I'm from Bestel Dawn. So, has a pedigree out there. Um, Douglas Arniakoski. Just thought that was interesting. It is. Very good. You know what else is interesting? What's that, Paul? Well, in, is that in addition to talking the next episode of Star Trek Discovery and Shadows, um, episode seven of season two, next time we meet, we'll also likely be talking about Star Trek The Q Conflict, issue two of six of the uh, you know the big crossover book. And I don't know if we'll be talking about it, but uh, also from IDW Entertainment, Star Trek versus Transformers, issue five of five, the conclusion of that miniseries comes out. Very exciting. I am certain that we'll be talking about all of that and more right here on the very next episode of Star Trek with Aaron and Polly. We hope you, we know you've got an opinion and we want to hear it. So give us a call at 81, no, 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-76, God, 972-763-590, is that right? Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 972-763-5903. 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the show, you'll win a coveted, valuable, ideology of madness surprise. And you know what else we need from you? We need your five-star reviews. Get out there on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and tell the world how much you enjoy this podcast. That helps us out a lot. But how else can they talk to us, Paul? Well, they can hit us up at Ideology Madness on Twitter, IOM Geek on Instagram, IOM Geek on Facebook. And in addition to leaving us a review on your favorite podcast provider, if you are a member of any Star Trek message boards or social groups or anything like that, um, you know, we don't like to spam those feeds, uh, but we could use your help spreading the word about Star Trek with Aaron and Polly, um, you know, with, with your fellow Star Trek loving friends. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear from them. Um, you know, the, we, we welcome opinions and, and perhaps future guest stars on the show so that we can get you know somebody else on this mic other than aaron and his lousy opinions whoa 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 i think i think what i just put out there was i'm replacing aaron that's that's a hot take that's Ooh. what it that is yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah okay. that just happened well well you know next week another exciting episode of star trek discovery and maybe another episode of star trek with aaron and polly or star trek with some guy in polly you don't know. Yeah, or, or maybe it'll be Spock. Who knows? That's right. Probably maybe, not. Maybe, maybe it'll be Cheese and Polly. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, guys. Check it out. Star Trek with Aaron and Polly is a production of IOMGeek.com. Have a question or comment? Hailing frequencies are open at 972-763-5903. Tribble wrangling provided by Triskelion Trays. No troublesome tribbles. Mr. Aponte's wardrobe provided courtesy of Garrick's Clothiers, conveniently located on the promenade. All decks, all stations. This is the captain speaking. 
All decks, I must have your full attention. It is vital, absolutely vital, that you center your thoughts on your duty or on the welfare of Star Trek with Erin and Paulie. Think of giving some of your strength. Now, this is an order. You must try to do this. Captain Picard's right, y'all. Star Trek with Aaron and Polly needs your help. We need you to go out to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and give us a five-star review. Let the Alpha Quadrant know how much you enjoy this podcast. And now, attempt to concentrate completely on your duty of the moment. All decks, all stations, battle stations, 